0: Welcome to the Sacred Spot, a podcast that seeks to provide a brave, open, welcoming, and affirming space for Black faith practitioners and higher ed professionals to develop restorative practices rooted in healing and wholeness from an African diaspora-centered perspective. This week, our episode is titled, Have a Talk with God, Exploring Black Theologies at White Institutions. We invite you to join us as we have a conversation about what it means for all black lives to be sacred at predominantly white institutions. Thanks for listening and come with us as we journey to the sacred spot.
1: party people. Welcome to another episode of The Sacred Spot. We hope that you guys have been having an amazing week. Dustin and myself, we are here. We just want to thank all of our supporters. We are up to a
0: whopping Come on, come on. <laughs>
1: 269 downloads come to on. all 116 of you who um listened to our previous episode, Learning to Unlearn, featuring Reverend Trey Campbell. What up, Trey? What's Miss up, you, absolutely wouldn't thank you so much thank you for all the feedback all the comments um thank you just for folks you know been just, uh, up all
0: week. exactly
1: for sharing um you know and again as we say we ain't tell nobody to leave their church job we tell nobody to leave their pastorate or whatnot but it was a beautiful thing to talk about our own experiences and talk about our own journey thank you to all of us who have to all of you who have followed us on instagram we oh, do yeah, got an instagram yeah. shout out to my sister who who is our content creator who is helping to get us together so we, we really, appreciate it. It. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate it so y'all follow us the sacred spot pod on ig um engage with us talk back with us you know just let us know how you're processing the information let us know whether you're rocking with us whether you're disconnecting with us or so not you know whatever's going on and just shout out to everybody who's just been showing support my last sister, you know, she said, Rock, I went and followed y'all, but y'all was talking about some words I didn't know, so I went and listened to Michelle Obama instead. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to so, have to, we're
0: so gonna have to with, keep it simple.
1: <laughs> <laughs> with a child, with friends like that, who needs interviews? <laughs> but always be honest with me and keeping me humble. So y'all. She said not today. <laughs> not
0: today. I hear it. Yeah. I'm Think not bad at doing? it. <laughs> Listen, my week has uh, – it's been a week um, – Monday, I was like, is it Friday yet? Because Monday felt like Wednesday, and, you know, Tuesday felt like Thursday. So I've just been trying to get through it, Rocky. How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling pretty good. It has, you know, been an intense past 2 weeks um we made the decision the campus that I am they made the decision to kind of have a pause from our in-person gatherings mm. and it was just that shift in the semester I'm not going to lie and everything else you know uh just kind of navigating you know what it looks like to go into another season uh you know um yeah, going into the holidays, been thinking about yeah. that or whatnot as the weather shifts and changes or whatnot. So last week was just a wash, you know. <laughs> um not, you know, kind of uh in you know, in some respects. So when they're just really trying to orient, trying to help students orient, trying to help myself orient or whatnot, and I feel like, you know, maybe we'll dive into this later. It's just a midway point in a semester, so a lot of our energy is just kind of running out and running low, and we're just kind of trying to keep a little bit of steam to just make it to Thanksgiving, um, and so I made an intentional effort this week. I also had a lot of, um, you know, sermons to complete last week, um, so I made an intentional effort this week to kind of clear my calendar a bit. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. kind of take some things off of my plate a bit or not and you know I t- tried to make an effort to at least be finished with all of my work um before five or six o'clock at least two nights this week so I did that overnight and made an intentional effort to go to bed earlier so I'm glad for that or whatnot, but you know I'm still you know still trying to get a rhythm and I just I don't know what's you know it's interesting that we're almost to the end of the semester and really still trying to, you know, just figure out this rhythm thing of like from day in and day out, I get up at this time, I do this at this time, I do that at this time, I do that. And for whatever reason, <laughs> uh, we might as well just let it go at this point. You know, <laughs> you know, when I feel up to it, I'll do it or not. And if yeah, I don't real. I just have to have grace for myself for real. So I'm glad to be here. You know, I think recording, you know, and just talking with you and talking with other peers and colleagues it's been the thing that's been keeping me going so i had a i had like a 2 hour conversation with a with a colleague today um you know even before i left the office to record and that was what I, my soul needed that was what the, that was the work yeah. i needed to do today so yeah. i just have to like let that be there and you know become okay with doing that for sure yeah. so what are we
0: getting into let's get that's, into it. i mean and that is so real uh i think like this past week i just say this part 2 um i have to Again, be very cognizant of my mental health. Yeah. Um. Especially, you talked about the season changing, and uh, like I am a person who deals with seasonal affective disorder, and yes. this week was extremely hard because I live in a place that is overcast, so there was yes. very little sunlight, um, and just having to navigate with that and tell myself like, all right, <laughs> try try your best to pick it up and keep moving. Um. But yeah so and just knowing too like the, the moments that okay I just I can't do it today and it's wow. going to have to be all right so I have had to say that again this week uh to several things I can't do it I cannot go to that meeting I don't have the energy to sit on another Zoom call um for stuff that we can handle via email etc <laughs> so it is real it is real oh, and so I think right. you know had to have some other it,
1: things you've had to do to to battle um your yeah, uh sad your yeah,
0: seasonal affect disorder? Um I mean really this week it was um having to listen there were one day I know my light bill is probably gonna be um a thousand dollars plus I had every light <laughs> in my apartment (laughs) turned on everyone even the little one over the stove i was like i need everything on right (laughs) um but then i uh you know i've tried to do like some small things i I enjoy um jogging running um it you know it it helps me to relieve stress so i did that and then i had to listen to uh some music again you know i love music that is the music is the backdrop of my life um Mm. so this week i had to uh i had to go talk to my boy stevie Come on. Stevie done helped me out this week. That um that have a talk with God. And yeah, Stevie B. A, he's he is a theologian if we've ever seen one. Exactly. He left, <laughs> you know he left Motown
1: too. 2020
0: yeah. ain't playing. <laughs> he's gonna start his own thing. I hear
1: it. So how 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 has that song been speaking to you?
0: I mean it really um it, it's it is a call to a call and a reminder to to sit down right like that mm-hmm. part about you know just go have a talk with God in order for you to to start the conversation, like it, it requires some silence. <laughs> so it, it yes. just reminded me the importance of like sitting still because there's so many other things going on, so much um, happening around me, so many other conversations right that are that are going on, so much chatter, um, and in this moment of knowing, like okay, I just need to really sit down and center and and have a conversation right with with oh, God right to 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 listen to my spirit. And know what spirit is telling me um and in order to do that, it requires me to turn off <laughs> some of the yes. other chatter um yes. so it has helped me this week um in more ways than one just as a reminder you know it, it is a reminder just uh to, to close every now and then you gotta close everything else off and just sit down and 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 commune right and so yeah I know so, that's
1: right I so even though we
0: when we did, you know, you talk about
1: talking with God or whatnot, I know it kind of gets into I guess a little bit of what we were hoping to dive in into this episode and I guess a big part of it is God talk Um yeah. like, yeah. Not only yeah. how we talk with God, but how we even talk about God and how yeah. we use God to talk about certain communities um, or whatnot. You know, it, it comes from, you know, a theologian, I guess you can call him a theologian, um. Uh, Robert P Jones um I guess he's just more of a writer too who mm. a historian I think a historian would be probably be a better word um his work I know you have the text uh, white too long um mm. Mm. which I haven't I haven't delved all into it yet um yeah. but there's a quote from it and I'm going to try to find it um pretty soon but I think you know the one thing that you and I we've always wrestled with in conversation is how do we authentically talk with God um, and help students to authentically talk with God and talk about God, you know, in spaces that, Tell you what that talk is supposed to look like, mm-hmm, um, or whatnot, and that you know, and that give you this this very small box, <laughs> or whatnot, of how that's you know that conversation is supposed to go. They give you a very small box of who, who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to present as in order to have access to God, um, or when You know, like how do we curate these kind of conversations in spaces? You know, that sometimes that can be largely, um, you know. Uh, not as receptive. Um but when I, and in regions, I guess. Or yeah. in regions that, you know, I'm in the Bible Belt, which is the, you know, the American South. Um, you're in the Midwest, um, it's in parts up. of Ohio, <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot. The American
0: South in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. So it's just, you know, it becomes, you know, how do we craft those kind of conversations? So I think, you know, and the one thing that I've, you know, been wrestling with myself in the past couple weeks, because I've been really getting into um the work of child Barbara Brown Taylor, honey, BBT, Mm. she's been my, my child, she's been blessing my soul (laughs) these past (laughs) couple weeks. But in order for me to do that, you know, like you say, I have to root myself in, you know, in in conversations with God. Yeah, and And I think because I have been conditioned of what that's supposed to look like and how that's supposed to sound and how that's supposed to happen. I have really been, you know, disconnected from, you know, um, you know, from God, even while I was doing this work of trying to help students, um, draw closer to, um, some kind of spiritual or divine experience or whatever. Yeah. So I think it will be great, you know, to get into, I still got to find this particular quote or because yeah. I, I do want to read
0: it because it was so good. And I think that's real too what you're saying. I, I tell students um all the time, which you know, sometimes it means I get a, a look, that um a conversation with God uh really is a conversation with yourself. It is mm. learning to sit with yourself um mm. and, and deal with yourself openly and honestly. Um yeah, so so I, I do think that the yeah, the, the centering of self, and I mean, I got to be careful there because there's some nuances. Some people center themselves too much <laughs> in conversations with, with, with you know, <laughs> but yeah, I do think and how that do you... it requires that though.
1: Well, and then because I mean, we need that kind of God talk or whatnot, um, we need uh, that kind of you know, conversation with the you know, with the divine because so much is happening, right? Um, you know, so much is going on in the world right now, yeah, right? um. We are right on the cusp of uh, probably one of the most important presidential elections um, that we've had in a very long time. So much is on the line. So much is at stake. Um, you would...
0: <laughs> yes, I'm, please. Not one, I'm not one of those people talking about, I don't care who you vote for, just vote. I care who you vote for. No, um... absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely care who you vote for
1: absolutely why why has that even become such a thing this idea of you know being so vague and so general you know or whatnot to the point where you know like no like I'm um, you gotta stick aside at this point absolutely <laughs> you know you gotta stake aside um as to where you stand and as to where you will be or whatnot I think even we're seeing so many um you know, evangelical leaders. I mean, I was very shocked to see. Um, well, I guess we <laughs> try not to say so many names, but <laughs> I was very shocked I'm to see a very you. a very well known evangelical leader who has a, a blog about how to desire God. So you take that <laughs> or not, um, so to speak or not. Like, I mean, but to see, uh, you know, Brother Piper basically say Thank that he you. ain't, <laughs> yes, <laughs> basically say that he ain't endorsing, um, you know, Donald Trump. Oh, I don't know if that was a direct Biden endorsement over that. So those of you who can read these things a little bit closer, feel free to let us know what you think. Let who, you was,
0: know. who was old buddy in, uh, what is it, um, was it Georgia or whatever that did the whole video about how you're not gonna see a Trump sign in their yard? Oh,
1: that was not that. That was actually uh to, the Tony Evans um that is, his, right. his son. God bless
0: America. Wow. You
1: know what?
0: Y'all, why <laughs> y'all buying that with the war room up.
1: documentaries no. and all? I mean, not documentaries. Are y'all buying the war room movies and all that? That whole family, yeah, like they. Basically, come on, no. And we
0: gotta, gotta tell the truth. We gotta tell we the truth. Tell us, especially whenever the <laughs> right, there's articles out here, especially talking about black men, uh, where saying that you know, somewhere around eighteen percent of black men are supporting Donald Trump, right? Uh we gotta talk about this because something, I mean, <laughs> something is week, wrong. Yeah, in one week, black men,
1: y'all have been the weakest link. Love you, Dustin. Hey, listen, have, Reverend, I'll take it <laughs> from ice cube the fifty cent. <laughs> What not and let's be real, let's cause because these Twitter streets be talking or whatnot, yeah. And you actually had some actual black clergyman or whatnot who was like, Ice cube ain't wrong. And no, like stop it. Right. <laughs> like, you know, you right.
0: Know. But it's this continuous, you know, everybody wanna have a seat at the table, everybody want to slice at a pie. But yes. you know, I'm too I'm too mindful of calorie intake. Um I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it is pitiful. I was just uh I was um being nosy listening uh this morning just even the the amount of like black clergy um black male clergy who are um you know in support of donald trump based off of you know this kind of like one policy voters talking about abortion um it's
1: ridiculous what <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't mean to call it ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> We're
0: going to tell the truth and shame the devil. You know, listen, y'all, if you, we ain't telling y'all where to go and where to be, but if you are at a church and your pastor is talking about vote for Donald Trump, pack your stuff up and find you yeah. somewhere else to worship. No,
1: it's, it's get you another not-
0: Zoom call in that one, press in. Leave meeting and, and get you another call to be... you know
1: too much is at stake and you know because you always you know approach the voting conversation with much you know trepidation because I know that there are real reasons why people have divested from it right yeah um, and you know people just there are real reasons why people are just completely disillusioned and if you look at the news and you see people waiting ten hours to vote or whatnot you see why sometimes absolutely. like why are we like this is ridiculous with all the modern advancements that we have or whatnot you mean tell me we cannot find a um a simpler a easier a more convenient way to get this done or not and it just feels like at every turn black people are the ones who you know who go who get the short end of the stick when it comes to voting or whatnot. Yeah. And so I get the real critique or whatnot. And at the same token, you know, we have, you have to make that personal decision for yourself um, as to how you will engage, how, as to how you will act change, as to how you will push, um, you know, the conversation forward or whatnot about making sure that everybody has um, equity or not everybody Absolutely. has access to certain resources, you know, especially in the, in the midst of a global pandemic, we have literally seen what it means for people to not have access to some of these things, Absolutely. you know, like it literally is a matter of life and death and so I've been really glad just to see how students um on you know on college campuses are taking voting so seriously um many of them I mean have left campus you know to go vote many of them have driven I mean I had one student um they live six hours away and they drove home the other day took off you know or not because some stuff went wrong with their absentee ballot or whatnot and so they got in their car they drove home now that student should not have had to do that that's why i say right. that's so messed right. up or right. not but they got in their car they drove home and they went and they voted and they and they came right back around you know the next day or whatnot and so I am I'm glad to see you know and we always you know big ups to Gen Z they just are they're doing the doggone thing or whatnot for real or whatnot you know in so many different ways so I'm glad to see how they are engaging and at the same token just really um I'm always trying to remind them that like while voting is a responsibility um it is also very much still a privilege in this country um, it is also like still very much something that. So many communities have been suppressed from and locked out of and do not have access to Mm -hmm. or whatnot. And I think many of them, you know, seeing it as a judgment claim or whatnot, you know, when people are not as engaged to vote or whatnot. And I guess just trying to help them recognize that for certain communities, voter disenfranchisement has been a very real thing. Absolutely. Um, It's been a very real issue or whatnot, you know. um, And even just, even when you haven't been um, completely disenfranchised, just some of the ways in which you have seen how how um politics has you know been completely disconnected from your everyday life you feel mm-hmm. and I, like it it has not worked in your favor um so there are some people who they have some very real apathy towards it and so getting them to kind of have more grace but also have more understanding um kind of around that around why voting for some for some of their peers maybe you know if you got somebody who you know, all I've known all my life is systems having their neck, I mean, having their foot on my neck or whatnot, yes, you know, like, yes. why would I feel invested in wanting to change this? Um, and so recognizing that real apathy or whatnot. And then for some of our folks who are um, returning citizens and formerly incarcerated or whatnot, you know, who have felonies on their records for dumb stuff or whatnot, like people who do not even have access to it or whatnot, like recognizing that. So I, I can't wait to see them as a you know the ones that are, are very very insistent around voting i can't wait to see them become just as insistent around making sure that everybody has the access to vote yes. um like that's the conversation that boring. i'm really excited yeah to push yeah, or whatnot, and you boring. know really excited to have or whatnot have you seen that at your campus as well or not around voting you know as we make it to you know the election you know y'all are not as much you know on campus as much as i am but have you seen a lot of that energy
0: um, yeah, I think to to a degree, right? Uh, to a degree, there is the energy um, trying both from the kind of like staff side, staff administration, and from students um, trying to energize their peers to vote, um, and that can go kind of different ways, right? <laughs> it can go up, up or put down because um, <laughs> you know where we work. Um, but I think too, <laughs> um, the one thing I had oh, to like yeah. come to like grips with too is that we are like this generation of folks who are voting, right? The students, are students who are preparing to vote, many of them, this is their first time voting. Yes. Um, and they, you know, they they have grown up with the heavy backdrop of police brutality and, yes. right, all of this happening, right? So most of these students were, you know, nine years old or so when Trayvon Martin was killed. absolutely. Um, and so that's whenever the, you know, movements have really taken off and then Mike Brown and, you know, um, Sandra Bland and so many, uh, right. So, it, it, and that has been the full backdrop. And so, like you said, it's noting how the apathy can come in, um, how you are, uh, you know, disinterested, dis, uh, disengaged with like the political process. Um, and it's having to make room for those students. And so I've had to do some of that as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and then say, okay, you're, you're not interested, but how can we use that energy um in a way that can still help to um you know enact the type of change that we need and it's you know being careful not to try to place you know too much um blame on or burden on you know individuals that try right but it's 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 making space for it and And i feel like we
1: have to i feel like us maybe as millennials we have to be that because the older generations just, uh, what you
0: mean? Uh, you're Martin, Martin March? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and we appreciate Martin marching so that Rosa could sit. Oh, my God. People are going to be so old and find Martin can, Stop. Martin can <laughs> <No>. walk. <laughs> but seriously. so grateful. Like, <laughs> <and>. <laughs> you got to
1: hear some of this stuff, you know. Like, like you say, it's for some of these young people, they yeah, I mean I it was my first year of college, so probably you know you were you know a little baby still you know with Similac or whatever or whatnot, um Please. when <laughs> you know when we had the election of Barack Obama or whatnot, and I remember that yeah. election night like, so
0: vividly. Yeah, that was or my year um, in high school. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, yes, I was you know I was a freshman in college. I was in the same position that many of you know the students who are voting are right in now or whatnot, and I just think about how excited we were, and then I. Look at just how, I mean, look who they got to choose from. Oh, wouldn't know, like? <laughs>
0: tell the truth. I don't. You ever. know, I do. We to love. Tell the you truth know. about the whole thing. <laughs> <But>
1: like, bro, <laughs> like you know, and so I've been even trying to push, not to keep pushing. You know, identity politics that just because we have somebody black, you know, black there that that means that our, you know, our values are being um, represented. Because we're not um, rooting
0: for everybody black, but we're rooting for. The majority of them.
1: Real, real talk. <laughs> so I've been really, you know, been really just trying to push this, you know, of you know of Senator um Kamala Harris and whatnot. So I mean, there is some space to be excited because you do have some firsts or whatnot, you know, to look forward to and to be excited to. But gee, you know, I'm I'm just like, how do you even get a community? Yeah, how can how can you know how can some of you know the boomers, I you know, and uh, a little bit of um Gen X or whatnot, who are their parents, basically, a lot of them or whatnot like y'all cannot be so mad at some of these young folks who are like uh, I don't know I don't see it for mm-hmm. yeah you know, I don't I don't see it for either candidate mm-hmm. I don't see it for voting or when you got to like you say make space to hear that and make space to allow them to express that you know and yes. get that
0: out you know I think um, that's the biggest part and it ties to everything that we've been talking about right because there's you know the political connects to all this other stuff that we're talking to there there's really no separation um but it's the same thing, right? When we're not making space to 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 hear um the the frustration, the disengagement as we're talking about politics. It's the same way that our churches aren't making spaces <laughs> to hear the frustration, the disengagement as we're talking about, you know, religion and so it, it is necessary. Um uh, you know, as we are just dealing with students and, you know, young people who are, you know, even much different than we are as millennials, right? It's just, yes. they're, they're like Gen Z. Which
1: we and, need to that, note, like, we really need to note that, that they so are- So much different. As a, as a group, as a demographic, they are much, yeah, like, yeah, they are, They they're different from us as a millennial population. I
0: feel disconnected sometimes. Yes. <laughs> a, yeah, I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> What's up There are ways of connecting or not. And I know, like, I don't know if someone will be listening now, but like, it's, it's completely foreign to me. Like, I cannot understand TikTok to save my life. I, I haven't even tried. It out.
0: I literally tried. tried.
1: You know, when the whole quarantine is mm. like, oh, I'm about to connect with you. <laughs> <laughs> give me a t- you know, this is TikTok Bible studies or something. TikTok like, like, River. <laughs> <laughs> honey, I TikTok not behind the bed. <laughs> it's what I did. I was so just down. <laughs> exactly. Like, it, it, are so, it's, it's so overstimulating to me and it's just so much to, um, to figure out because for them, like, you got words, you got actions, you got movements, you got little clips here, little clips, like, I mean, just their way of communicating is uh you know it is it's very different or whatnot because they are digital natives in yeah. such a way or whatnot, you know that i i kind of envy it and sometimes i can sit and be trying to figure out how am i going to get something done or whatnot they're, they're also i found them to be um very much linear thinkers because mm-hmm. they are digital natives so sometimes you know while i have to wrap my mind around a system they, for whatever reason, have figured out systems and how systems work very well, or well many of my students, they understand the hierarchies of power way better than I understood the hierarchies of power at my undergraduate or graduate institution, yeah like they understand how systems work or whatnot, and so we can't be you know uh too upset when they're just like just telling me the vote
0: ain't enough, right or whatnot. like you like know, right.
1: they know systems so right. well, or Man, or whatnot, I think yeah,
0: yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you no. Yeah, but I think, but like you said, like they're and and because they know system so so well, they are really taking it seriously to ensure yes. that their vote, if they if they choose to do that, that it has, uh, you know, power, and they're not just going the to the poll right impact. They're not just going to the poll to, you know, just. Bubbling some uh, some circles and not know who right. they're voting for. They're asking yeah. questions, so I've been really Don't vote for Uncle Jethro. That'd be right, like, <laughs> you know. You're right. right. So I have been really impressed with the um, with, with how students are engaging and educating themselves and doing that um, while navigating what is still a stressful year and a stressful semester. We're coming up on kind of like the midpoint of the year, and you know, yes. a lot of students have not gotten a break. Um, you know, the, there, there was no fall break. Um, you know, they're, they're still going strong until right up until Thanksgiving. And so, you know, I am both, I guess you can say both impressed at how they're, um, moving forward. And I am also, um, both concerned, uh, about the, the real needs for, uh, for, for them to slow down and take care of their mental health. So I am still telling students as much as possible that y'all need to take care of yourselves, say no if you can, and, and navigate this in ways that, um, that are that that will be helpful for you. How how are your students navigating?
1: Well, I think you're exactly right. Like I say, I mean that pause. I you know I hate it had to happen because you know and everything I'm saying that you could be found on the website, so don't be coming from me or whatnot. Like I hate it had to happen, you know, because of you know because of an uptick um in cases and some exposures or whatnot. But at the same token, oh like. For some students, it was just the change of scenery and the kind of pause and reset that they really needed and that they were not going to be given or mm-hmm. whatnot and so while they still had to go through with classes you know many students they did you know they by you know after that first week many of the students they did they went home or whatnot if they you know um if it was safe to do so of course um or whatnot you know and some of them you know they you know uh they stayed on campus but they had a lot more time to stay in that room you know i talked to one student he was like man i feel like i slept all day <laughs> and when i was like mm-hmm. good like yeah. that's what your body needs to do or <laughs> whatnot so i think for many of them, it is that midway point. We're getting right into you know midterms or whatnot. If they haven't taken them already, they're in the midst of it probably right now, or um, whatnot. And you know we're three or four weeks away from Thanksgiving, which is when many campuses have decided to disperse and right. just allow students to go home and stay home until we come back in the spring. Um, and so they're tired. My former boss she was the guest speaker for one of our student groups yesterday. And she gave a perfect illustration from Brene Brown about energy sources or whatnot. And just how we pull, you know, we're conditioned to pull cortisol or whatnot. And I don't know, I'm not a scientist, so, you know, (laughs) whatever, correct me if I'm wrong. But but we're pulling these things and and we're designed to pull them, you know, for maybe, uh, I don't know, sometimes hours, sometimes days, sometimes months at a time yeah. or not. Nobody is designed to pull energy reserves, uh, when, you know, for seven, eight, nine months right. or not. So, that's exactly what's happening even on a college campus, you know, or whatnot. and even in, in, you know, within our society, even as we see, you know, that we're going into, I guess, a second wave, or, you know, the first wave got to end in order for a second, but, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, like people's energy reserves are depleting. Um, yeah. Or they do not have the willpower or the wherewithal, um, you know, to continue, you know, into the social distancing, to continue into the mask wearing or whatnot. They do not have the willpower or the wherewithal to do, get up and do basic stuff. Basic stuff like going to work, like being engaged with your work, like, you know, being engaged with with your classwork. It takes a lot to to find the energy to push through and to do that. Um, And so we did a really good activity this week about you know, like what are some ways you're going to fill your energy cap or whatnot, like how are you going what are you going to clear out of your schedule so that you can get that done or whatnot yeah. like so that you can restore and replenish some of your energy sources or whatnot, and so just trying to work with them, you know, and really help many of them see that you're going to have to pace yourself completely differently, you're going to have to pace yourself like you are living in a pandemic, Um yeah. and pace yourself like you are yeah, yeah, it's not, Um yeah. and so you know for some of them who are very high performers very high achievers they're used to and they and they're still doing it many of them or not but you know once you get to that place where you crash and burn it really becomes you know and, you know i hate it you know because i had to have you know really some conversations of just like you know one was like i'm ready to step down from this so i'm ready to step and you know i hate it because they will be my hardest workers like i say they make the job easy mm-hmm. <laughs> you got good students or not but also recognizing that at the end of the day like you taking care of your yourself and if you know that it's time to move forward and to do other things then um that's what you need to do so I think allowing them to you know to to pace themselves differently and kind of helping to coach them through that is kind of what I'm focusing on as we move towards the end of the semester because they're gonna have to do the same thing in the spring Absolutely. guess what yeah because a lot of institutions and a lot of spaces now are putting out their spring plans and it looks like you know many of them you know are not doing spring break um right. so yeah I ain't going right. to be hitting up Cancun and the beach and wherever else. Um oh, yeah, would not, you know, but they're building in now what I did like about one institution here um in the Carolinas is they are incorporating and I hope my institution will do the same. Oh now they're incorporating a series of wellness days um throughout the semester. Um, and those are basically just you know days there where you know you have wellness I guess activities or whatnot but you don't have any classes you don't have any you know formalized responsibilities Um, and so they're kind of building in five or six of those days throughout the semester that would count as a spring break and so I don't know you know I don't know what my I guess we have to see how it works because yeah. they say you know you almost need Two or three days away from a space to actually fully decompress from Could it. To be able right? to feel um, back up right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What not. So um, you know, I guess if you if you take you know a spring break of consecutive days off and just put it as one day off throughout, you know, you wonder is are you getting the same effects? You know, is yeah. that really rest? Um, and so I think that's what we're trying to figure out. What does it look like to rest
0: um, in a pandemic? When most of a time, crash. Yeah, most no, times yeah. it's not, you know, because whenever you do have those, that, that day off, you're filling that day with so many that's other things that you haven't accomplished because of work or school. You're right and about so there it. There is no true rest. And, you know, that's the, the the part of saying to students and to colleagues and whoever else is that, and especially for folks who find themselves on the front lines or for, you know, people who are trying their be- best to be active and attentive to what's going on in the world, we really do have to find that time to rest, um, to, to to rejuvenate. Um, but yeah, I think it's important because you know what we see happening is not just here, right? It's not just local, but it is global, right? We think yeah. about what's happening with. Um, the protest, right, yeah, in, in, yeah. Nigeria, in Nigeria yeah, with uh, uh, you know, yeah. SARS. And so all of these things are really um, pulling on our well-being because, you know, they're fighting the same fight that we're fighting here when we talk about police brutality. And Absolutely. we are literally seeing Black people globally being run down in the streets. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that is a lot. That, that is and alive. many of
1: them are the age of... You know, of- many of the, you know, students that we work with, they are young folks as well, you know, not just young folks, of course, but, like, you know, and that is the real heartbreaking piece, and thanks to social media, we are literally watching all of this play out right before our eyes. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? So we just, you know, a full we massacre, had, yes, that's like, what, I'm like saying. what is happening? To have a pandemic in March, then to have a summer on fire in a, you know, in the United States, right. and then we go into the fall, and, you know, it's just like, if you're Black, you know, how Oh, yeah, when can you have a season? Where is the break?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: you know that that is not traumatic and that it just does not pull at your heart or when not and when you don't have to see you know people that look like you or when I just have to fight for a basic right to exist and to live or when. Yeah. So just remembering to really pace yourself and to you know and to yeah and, and to really take those seasons you know take those take that time to tap into spaces of joy. Right. And that's what you know. That's what you yeah. was getting at with the energy reserves. Like you reserve and I mean, you restore your energy when you are doing something that causes you to lose track of time or whatnot, so you forget you're doing it. Um, and whatever that is or whatnot, like you have to make space to do those things. And I really had to sit and say, like, I don't know. Like, besides really, you know, getting on, you on this phone, you know, and talking to you for, you know, I don't know what else. <laughs> I don't know what else I do where I literally lose track of time at this yeah. point in the pandemic. And yeah. I got to tap into some of those spaces, yeah. or whatnot. Um, you know, and help, you know. Again, you know, help the communities that we work with to do those as well. So, this has been a lot happening, child. The Pope done, um, (laughs) then got on the documentary,
0: (laughs) got no folks hotter than fish. Oh, honey, endorsing
1: endorsing civil unions or whatnot, um, for same sex couples, for same gender loving, um. Couples or whatnot. Now he did not say anything that changed. Can they um, get
0: some insurance, y'all? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you
1: know, you know, I mean, can they file each other on uh, taxes? Yeah. I don't understand or whatnot. Like, why are we? Yeah. Uh, so it just became, you know, a whole thing or whatnot. Um, and it's interesting, you know, to hear or whatnot. Of course, some students like, you know,
0: really processing yeah. their
1: own comments and their own thoughts I mean, about my institution, it. Institution. Um, they
0: ain't really talking about it. Um, <laughs> it's it, it like a little conversation. It's definitely important, um, especially for you know, yeah, because it's, it's all connected, right? This is, you know, it's timely as we have folks who are, oh, I'm voting for this person because, you know, my yes. my faith tradition tells yes. me that LGBT, right? All of that. And Pope is like, hold on. <laughs> I mean, just so now, what can thing. you hide behind, you know? So, Literally,
1: all he said, you know, that's the thing. All you say is, you know, these folks are the beloved of God or when they, uh, you know, uh, are families. Like he even said, like, yeah. basically they already are, or not So, like, you know, it's, it's like – It's going to happen whether yeah. y'all say
0: so or not. Yeah, like. yeah you, know,
1: <laughs> and being, you know, and being – you know, and so to hear, you know, the fact that it just – I mean – it took it took that life on Twitter as it did or whatnot, um, and then also like I say, really on the ground or whatnot um, because you know I do have some students who you know of course they they rely heavily on what the Pope's saying yeah. <laughs> or, whatnot, um, or whatnot and so we're kind of you know people you know definitely kind of felt away <laughs> about you know and really it's interesting to me when a statement is made and when um, certain communities call for more clarity, quote unquote. I would not, as if you need clarity on somebody else's right to exist. Yes. Um, and right, you know, yeah And right to flourish. Well, what, what does do that you really need clarity mean? About? About? Right. <laughs> exactly. I would not. And learning to see those kind of things as red flags as well or whatnot, but you know I think you know, <laughs> <flags. We> <laughs> and that's what you know and so and so it's, it's it's really been interesting um and I'm excited because I mean he said that statement in a documentary that's supposed to premiere at the um at the uh, Savannah College of Art and Design. Okay. Would not, um, yeah. so if I'm not mistaken, would not, um, if I remember it right from the headline. So I'm, I'm interested to really see the documentary, would not, um, and to see what kind of things, you know, he he was engaged in it, And even the full context of, of a statement like that. I hope it's not a statement where he's going back, you know, and saying, well, I didn't mean, this is what I really meant. But you don't even see that, like that kind of dude, he kind of does strike me as like, I said what I said. Yeah. Um, I kind of would not, so it'll be interesting to see the rest of the Documentary, but anyways we've been just
0: (laughs) jabbing our jaws. It's gonna be a longer (laughs) episode this week, (laughs) (laughs) y'all.
1: But we we ain't really talked in two weeks, so y'all just give us some time. But again, I found the quote. Um, as we even talk about God talk, and this thing it knocked me. Oh, well, that's why I say I gotta you know finish and get through the book, but pick just listen to it. Um, so this is Robert P. Jones, White Too Long. And this one sentence, the findings are clear. The more racist attitude a person holds, the more likely he or she is to identify as a
0: white Christian. My God.
1: <laughs> the results hold true for regular and infrequent church growers, churchgoers across geographical regions and for white evangelicals, mainline Protestants, and Roman Catholics. It's hard mm-hmm. to argue with his conclusion that white supremacy is somehow genetically encoded into white Christianity in the United My States. My God, because... Who is- (laughs) white christianity are synonymous
0: and there's that
1: once i read that quote i was reading the new york times it was you know um and i was just like wow that thing that one sentence has just haunted me a little bit for the past couple months because what does Mm -hmm. it mean that by you know that by making people more christian or whatnot to a certain extent (laughs) or whatnot you know we are uh
0: indoctrinating them into racist attitudes yes (laughs) the assembly line into racism yeah like the wow wow and which is like so important for like us and the work that we're doing on campuses that that may not, you know, that may not gel with the type of Christianity that we're, that we're coming with. Right. So when we're talking about womanist theology and black liberation theology and other like modes of, of spiritual being, right. When we're talking about African spirituality and, um, other, other, uh, you know, traditions and, and faith traditions and like how are are we navigating that like how do you even navigate that no wow i wow. think it's you
1: know cuz you know you always start all of your bios with you know where your work is rooted huh? yeah. and you say you know that your work is is rooted and it is influenced by um woman's theological ethics um, and black liberation theology. What do you mean when you you know when you say that? Like when you when you say a phrase like that, like this is what's grounding and what's centering my work, or whatnot. not. What is what is meant by
0: that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the <laughs> largest part is that I realize that the work is communal, and I realize that the work is critical, and it is mm. both of those. Mm. That's kind of how I critical that critical. That it. critical. <laughs> it's the it really is the critical part that. <laughs> it it means questioning everything that we have been taught. It means questioning the systems that we are part of and not just questioning it, but working to make change. Right. It is, it is an active, like critical lens. And so that is, um, and, and it's not just a work that I can do by myself. I realize that there is a larger community connected to me. And so that really, um, I think whenever I was introduced to black liberation theology and, womanist theological ethics at at duke um and i was trying to figure out like how to hold on to it and noting, you know, like black liberation theology was something that I can embody and womanist theology I could identify with. Right. But you know, I, I don't, um, subscribe myself to be a womanist cause that's for black women. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's so many tenets that, that still support the work because I am a black man and the, and the critical lens mm-hmm. has to be right. So I'm working to, to, to break down, um, the patriarchy that I've embodied for so long. That's what I was going
1: to ask, how has womanist theology? Because, you know, let's let's say the truth. Because, I'm running into a lot of brothers, you know, they, you know, they love to quote some Cone or whatnot, Dr. Cone, you know, they love to quote, you know, you know, many of our, you know, forebearers in Black liberation theology or whatnot, you know, and they do quote womanist scholars and they do, you know, you know, they, I have, you know, heard of some much love for Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon um even for Dean Emily Towns or whatnot even for um Cheryl uh, Townsend Giltz mm-hmm. um, you know and others right because once you start naming you'll miss some folks or whatnot. So I, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. love first wave second wave whoever <laughs> or whatnot but I think uh what does it mean for you I think and the one thing that has always kind of allowed you to stand out to me or when I'm not just saying that because you're my friend is you really try to embody that stuff or Mm -hmm. not like and really try to take it to heart so how has womanist theological ethics informed your ministry and your theology as a black man like what has it done you know
0: for you yeah you know it, it, it was really it's the thought of right womanist theology seeking to um free right to, to free black women for from these oppressive oppressive structures um it is about black women's survival and i had to like ask myself the question um how have i been complicit <laughs> in 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 um, Pushing against that, right, so black women out here trying to survive how have i in in my in my um day to day life or in the in, in my ideology in my in my like political lens all of those things how has my body how has my identity been um complicit right it's the it's the the the, the question that um you know Darnell Moore brought up when we were at proctor who's yes. whos whos whose neck is your foot on and so I had to ask that question. And I think what woman's Theology has allowed me to do um, is to to know when to get out of the way, right? Um, <laughs> that has been the biggest part that I've had to learn. Um, and getting out of the way means that there are times I got, to, I got to shut up, right? And there's times that I have to speak up too, right? But there's times that I need to shut up. There's times that I need to say no, right? There. Um, I had to think about all of the aspects of my life in its entirety and think through like, how have I as a black man, um, if I haven't put up, walls or or boundaries that have you know constricted black women from surviving um if i haven't put them up myself how have i uh, not d- done anything to tear them down <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um and and to the extent that i am invited to do the work of tearing it down that's what i want to do um i think it is invitational right um so um it has just kind of it has really shifted and informed so that's why like how i view god and how i view the world it has changed uh fully to be more embodied right to be more intersectional um and to consider all the implications of of yeah. of the people around me when i say that you know that god is love and that god has called me to do this work i i, I just feel like i'm blabbing all over the place. I get so excited when I'm talking about it, but (laughs) I think the, the biggest part is that I had to, I really had to be self-reflexive. I think that was the biggest part to, to look in, right. To, to critique my own self and really Mm -hmm. ask the serious questions of like, dude, how are you getting in the way? Um, and, 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 and how are you silent, right? How are you complicit? Um, you know, it's the same thing we'd be asking uh, white folks to do with their racism. And so I had to do it <laughs> with sexism and patriarchy. And that's the biggest yes. thing I can't understand is that especially in listen, I know I keep saying a lot about black male preachers, but I'm a black male preacher, so I'm talking about it, <laughs> right? The thing that I cannot understand, and I'm gonna be quiet because I know y'all gonna be texting me and be upset, but tell the truth, shame the devil. <laughs> in the words of Mr. G, got tell the truth about the whole thing. Um, <laughs> (laughs) I never quite understood how black male preachers could call out racism right and ask white folk mm-hmm. to reflect on their racist ideologies and their racist theologies but they can turn around and do the same thing when it comes to uh their patriarchy and sexism it i just never oh. understood it right um and so i think that has like that's the thing that i I had to wrestle with when i was <laughs> trying to figure out how to hold on to this thing anyway it's
1: very real and i i think you know for me my introduction to black liberation theology was in graduate school like you know we were both yep. here and you know once um dr you know Terman um em dr emt um when she you know came onto the campus i remember so many of us were just um we were disillusioned by that second year um, yeah, and just really like is this really for is you know is is i really had you know i did have one colleague who you know they were really wrestling with, you know, whether or not they wanted to go and work in the church. Um or not, you know, and whether or not, um, whether or not they wanted to still be Christian. Um, yeah. or not, you know, because of the yeah be, because of the paradigm that we have been given um as far as church history um as far as you know uh you know old testament uh, and new testament um they just didn't see themselves in any of that paradigm yet why, 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 and so why, why, why. exactly <laughs> and so you know once you know once we were introduced, you know, to uh, I think you know one of the first texts that she introduced was um she had this big orange text in her office and it was Combs for My People mm-hmm. um by Dr. Combs mm-hmm. or whatnot and I never heard of the man <laughs> I was like well you know or whatnot and you know she you know she was like you can't have my copy but you know look <laughs> through it like, she you know but she and she offered me she offered me you know for me some coins or whatnot or whatnot it's like go buy you a copy of <laughs> or whatnot and I was like I'll find you know or but I did. I went, you know, I went and I got a copy of that particular text in, in 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 particular, you know, because I just it was the first thing I saw in the office and it just captivated my eye. And that was really the once once I got there, it was over. It just spoke yeah. to so much of the rage that I was feeling at the time or whatnot. And then to get to her, you know, to get to her class and you know and and, and take womanist theology. It was it was mind blowing for me. Oh, and it was one of the first classes where it was one of the first classes, if I'm being honest, where she pissed off white women. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. whatnot, you know, it really made them very, you know, recognize, you know, how complicit they were or whatnot, you know, in um, you know, in the oppression of black women as well. Oh, they were
0: hot too, women. wherever.
1: Oh, they were so mad, <laughs> <laughs> honey. I ah. so, I think, you know, <laughs> but but it was also very much the first time that you know that I, you know. I had never been exposed to those voices of you know um of black women who you know i was i was new to the idea that like i said i think i said in the earlier podcast of black women being pastors but mm-hmm. i think this idea that black women their voices could be centered um as experts in god talk absolutely or <laughs> like the you know like, the like, like
0: great. yeah yes. absolutely
1: <laughs> Like, my experiences can be centered in that or whatnot. And, you know, and I can even argue against or whatnot. Some of the stuff I've been taught to believe for Dolores Williams to say, like, I don't know if I believe in communion. Like, or whatnot, like, why are we doing this? Like, or whatnot, you know, yeah, is this really something that, thing that is, me up. you up know, Exactly. <laughs> is this really a healing experience. Yeah. Exactly. And that was something you just didn't see black women do in church or whatnot. Um, and so it was very powerful for me. And I, but I think even as I journey deeper into that experience, one thing that I've had to really wrestle with, um, is this idea of gender in general, yeah. um, what now, you know, um I recognize the ways that some of my language towards gender or whatnot, and I've had to grapple with that in the past year and particularly as I work with college students or whatnot. Um, you know, like how my language about gender, um, it can land you know, very harshly on somebody's body who does not directly identify with either, mm-hmm. um, yep. or not, You know, yep. um, and so what does it mean to really think through gender as a social construct? I know I said I, I have or whatnot, but what does it really mean to you know? I to 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 think through what it, you know what it is to theologically transgress gender, yes. um, to, you know, <laughs> and to go beyond gender and how yes. that you know sometimes if you know. It's something I have to consistently check myself on and allow myself to grow in or I so but without woman's theological ethics I don't think I would have the tools to even do it um or would not you know
0: <laughs> I would I not know I know I, I know that you know with yeah with, without these like you know theologies of liberation i don't know what type of preacher i would not be i would not we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now honestly oh, no, child. Um, it, it it was it was a disruption
1: from from everything we knew Absolutely. As God talking, what it means to, you know, to talk about God and what it means to talk with God. Um, and sometimes talking with God, you know, is talking to my trans neighbor. Sometimes yes. talking with God, uh, or like you say, is having that self-reflection that as a black man, I need to get out of the way. Yep. Uh, not, you know, sometimes talking with God is making space for people that I would not normally um, be led to make space for at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, you know, because I've had to, you know, really think through, you know, my own, you know, especially, and I don't know why I'm harping on this, but it may be something, or when I, you know, because like, Traditionally, there are so many black women or whatnot who like we have embodied so many of the patriarchal values. And we embody just, you know, you know, sometimes we can embody, you know, homophobia, transphobia. You know, we can embody so much of this stuff because we've been conditioned that, you know, that's the way you get a husband. That's the way you can become a good Christian wife, that to transgress some of these things. You know, I had somebody ask me that the other week of like, why am I in church being (laughs) being trained to be a good wife and nobody's training anybody to be a good husband My like God. there are no sermon series <laughs> on that like there don't no, so you weird. know and i was like well <laughs> first i got a friend who's writing a book on that y'all get rid of <laughs> the theology or <laughs> not uh by not remember whatever it comes out um or not go, but go, 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 go. also exactly right shameless plug but also you got a point <laughs> not, like you know and so so many of them like by you know our by rooting our work in liberation right um mm. but when we're, we're able to engage those kind of questions and those kind of thoughts because people are having them you know um people are having them or whatnot and so what do you feel how has your grounding in these particular um perspectives how have they changed you how you approach the text the biblical text
0: oh like so much i have to read like i read text completely different it's like completely shifted for me um i remember visiting a a church here you know trying to um, i'll talk about this way so i was going to visit this church and uh trying to find you know a church home or whatever and the the pastor new pastor was preaching on uh david and bathsheba and i was like okay you know i'm always a little leery of these type of sermons because i about know how they're going to go especially in um the black baptist church that i grew up in Mm -hmm. and of course as he talked about this he talked about you know david being um you know a kind of uh David being a bad leader, you know, he talked about it a little bit because what he got out of it is that David did not obey the voice of God in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there like, okay, like, so, but you didn't, we're not talking about David being a bad le- leader because he raped, uh, you know, someone. He used, I love it. <laughs> you know, he used his power um, as as a uh, as a general, right? As, as the, the leader um, to, to go in and uh, essentially um, force himself on someone's body. Like, we don't see that. And so I realized then, like, that's what I keep saying. Like, I realized that um, the way that, folk were talking about scripture and reading scripture and seeing scripture, it it came from a different hermeneutical lens than what I had. It came from a different perspective um, uh, than than, than what I um, have come to know, because I am always questioning when I'm reading the text now, you know, where are the women? what are the Mm -hmm. women doing right Mm -hmm. because i know that they're there (laughs) they've Mm -hmm. always been there they're always in the backdrop um right And, and that's and and most times we we have that's where we place them right in the background but what we know is that they're actually they're doing the work at the forefront but they're but they get a a back seat so i always have to kind of ask that question and um and then which you know further gets me to ask the question of like who is whose voice is not represented here and trying to search for that yeah what about you
1: it's been transformative for me um in, in whose commentary I see as authoritative,
0: (laughs) you know, um, for me, um, Shout out to Dr. Will Gaffney, real quick. I'm sorry. Yes, but... <laughs> yes. Let's stop <start>. yes, <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Woman is, is
1: midrash um, was was so you know foundational and so powerful for me. Um, you know, in addition to True to Our Native Land, yes. Um, the African Bible, yes. Um You know, whatnot. Like I, I went and brought. I'm not even. You know, I went and brought a whole set of commentary. You know, the the New Interpreter's Commentary. And I tell you what, I do not identify with that commentary at all anymore um mm-hmm. or not like i really have to struggle or not to connect with it i really read it almost you know to help me informing um my theological arguments or whatever yeah. um and so, you know, being introduced to these different voices, it uh, you know, it really gave me the freedom or whatnot to stop looking to white men's voices as normative about scripture Absolutely. or not They don't have to tell me everything to think about the text or whatnot. And I'm almost at the point where they don't really tell me much to think, like, if, yeah. if anything, if I'm
0: you What not to, like, nah, this can't <laughs> be right. Because if you're saying this, then I know it's got to be a different perspective. It's, <laughs> something
1: else is off. <laughs> or whatnot, you know, or yeah. and so just coming to that freedom or whatnot. And I, you know, um, if we are talking about, you know, what it means for spirit to rest within us and to work within us, you know, what does it mean, you know, to use the training that I've learned to, you know, to do my exegesis, to do my research or whatnot, and then to be able to spar in my own community about what this text yes. means for
0: us as a community. And that communal um, aspect is so important. It as you, right? It, it does matter to talk about a text because I think that's the other part that happens, right? A lot of people, when they're trying, Trying to, you know, they're they're reading these texts. They're preparing, you know, for Sunday morning or whatever. A lot of that um, conversation is happening independently, right? It is happening normally at a desk, you know, by themselves, and there is no conversation in community for someone to say, uh, you know, they like to use that doc. I don't know, doc. You might not have that, <laughs> you know. So you I know, think that is so important. I would um, never. Yeah.
1: I would never forget, you know, um, Edward Allen Adams over there. Um, you know his uh man, we call his name for sure or whatnot. Um, and you know, uh, that's a friend of mine's. You know, who uh, was chronically ill, um, for most of his late twenties and early thirties. Um, but was an amazing preacher. Um, and still to this day is is probably my favorite preacher. Um, and I just remember working through a text about uh the man at the pool, and. Mm-hmm. You know, giving it that normative of do you want to be made whole? He didn't really want it bad enough, right? Right. Um, And I remember it was Ed, and it had to be a couple weeks actually before his passing and before his transition. Or not really saying like, have you do you actually know what it feels like to be terminally ill? Or Mm -hmm. when not to you know I said to have a chronic illness for you know for a series of years or whatnot. And I've never been able to preach um, healing passages um, the same way as a result of that conversation or whatnot because you do like you say if you are not talking to community you don't stuff that is just not your experience or whatnot you don't recognize how it's landing on other communities and other people or whatnot and so you need to be talking about this with each other and in community and what black liberation and women's liberation theology and what studying, you know, from scholars and theologians who talk about uh, disability or whatnot, yes. you know, what studying, you know, from, you yes. know, like I say, our folks who, you know, our friends who are indigenous, and but what it, what it's all giving you is a view of the text from the underside, mm-hmm. um, and what mm-hmm. it means or not, you know, when people who are on the underside in life or whatnot, you know, how are they experiencing the biblical text, the biblical story? How are they experiencing God or whatnot? And for many, Many of us, you know, like you say, we know it, you know, um, from our perspective and from our lens, but we also have to take time to, you know, to pull in those other voices and to pull in those other perspectives. And so I think and
0: that's the real work, right? <laughs> yes. Putting it all in conversation with one another. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Because I can, you know, I can know like, you know, I can know how scripture hits me as a black woman or whatnot, but I don't know how healing, you know, is going to be heard from somebody who's been battling cancer for 10 years right. Um, or whatnot. Like, and I'm saying they don't want to be healed bad enough. Right. Like <laughs> the nerve of me Like you know right. whatnot, you know, And just like you You know You as a black man You can know You know Like you say You know You can see David one way But you know If I have a body That is more akin to Bathsheba's I might be seeing it From a very yes. different perspective whatnot, You know And I may want to talk about How Bathsheba You know Has been silenced In that particular text yeah. or whatnot. And so Let's well, have to lot. take that
0: pause Right You have to take that pause Because I yes. think a lot of times It's like How can we get people To a quick shout um, And you're Ooh. shouting Off of the pain Right You people are shouting and own the pain of other folk um so while you shouting about <laughs> how bad do you want it while somebody else is over here and been praying their hardest um you know for healing and wholeness or whatever right we we got to question that um and so that's yes. i definitely agree and i think even like that is helpful is being able to pull
1: in non-normative sources one of my goals this year which is why I've been the quote that I read y'all from the book. That's why I'm waiting to buy that book. Cause one of my goals this year was to not buy books from white male authors. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to know what it felt like to go a year. Um, you know, just only adding to my library works from, um, People of color, particularly women of color, or not, um, or when you know, and so that was, you know, one of my hopes, or whatnot, and just to see how it impacted me, how you know, and how it would influence me. And I you didn't feel know free I free reverend. I do. I feel freer. Uh, yeah, I didn't know I was yeah, gonna, gonna have the year that I had, but yeah. <laughs> when I, you know, <laughs> because I, I, I had to tap into, like I said yes, earlier, Lord. I had to tap into some, 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 some spiritual sources, and like I say, Barbara Brown Taylor has kind of been. A a sage for me of sorts, so I need to tap, you know, into some of her works or whatnot. And and um, James Baldwin or whatnot has been Mm. such a I've been journeying with Baldwin a lot this year or whatnot. So I had to deviate a little bit or whatnot, but but I haven't read a white man or whatnot and. So I do feel free yeah, <laughs> you know, so in that
0: regard. That, uh, I, what's so, the other one? Uh, <laughs> Womanist Interpretations of the Bible. Um, oh, yes. Gabe Byron and Vanessa Love. Yes, that's Bella. a really good, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. very,
1: some of the the work that's been done around Delilah. Um, mm-hmm. And even this summer, um, I was able to do a Bible study on um, Badass Women of the Bible. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, or whatnot. Um, and I'm trying to Dr. Irie sessions, or there whatnot. We go. Um, yeah. And she's, you know, she pulls a lot from a lot of those sources, or whatnot. So just, you know, there are people who they're doing this work, Dr. Renita Weems or whatnot. Go, you know, you can go through all her stuff, or whatnot. Um, you know, and just really, just, you know, they they've done this exegetical work. They've done yeah. the work of biblical interpretation. Um, and so just pulling from it and exposing students to it talking about it in sermons, talking about it in Bible studies. Like I'm really, you know, pushing some of the, you know, groups that, you know, I'm charging to lead really, you know, asking them or whatnot, you know, when you do Bible studies, when you are meeting, you know, who are you, you know, What works are you studying? Um, I'm saying, like, you know, who are you working with, or whatnot? You know, and you know, and why them not making intentional choices, or whatnot, to um to study black theologians, um, and to study black uh you know biblical um scholars, or whatnot. I think that matters, and that's important. And I think for me, you know, that has been a charge I'm taking seriously because I don't have that many black students who participate in campus ministry. Um, and just trying to recognize that. It, it it is taking a lot for you know me uh to get my campus to really see the Black church and Black church traditions as um, authoritative traditions <laughs> in the yeah, Christian experience yeah. or whatnot. They're yeah. like, you know, that these traditions, you know, they're not just a size. It's not just let's invite a Black choir to do the music. Let's recognize that this is a tradition, just like, um, you know, any other religious tradition or whatnot. And so, like, you know, let's allow people to have something that represents that for them here Yes. or I Let's create that kind of space Space or not where these kind of students can experience God in a way that's normative for them. And that's, you know, that's been difficult to do. It's been hard to convince folks to, to kind of,
0: you know, um, be willing to do that. But it's important, right, because how you read a sacred text, right, is going to determine how you read the world and vice versa. I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest part that I tried to, like, get my students to understand and to get... Um, you know t- supervisors, staff, or whatever, to understand the importance of having different readings, different views um of 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 these sacred texts because that's that's a lot of the issue right um if, if you yes. if you can't read uh you know biblical texts from like you say like the underside right or from 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 a different perspective, then you can 't see those around you that you're living with in a different in a different way, and so yes. both of them work hand in hand. yes
1: no when you have you know students who they like i want to be friends with this person like they're amazing they're great they're nice but i can't be friends with them because they this what like you know i can't be friends with them because they agnostic i can't be (laughs) friends with them because they gay i can't be friends with and it's just like yeah what does it mean that like literally when you see the faithfulness to a um to you know to a certain tradition it the only way you can see yourself being faithful to it is to disconnect yourself or yes, whatnot right. with people that you genuinely see as good
0: yes. people. That is the Ooh. dumbest thing I have heard, right? Like that like, is scary. You know how many great relationships we are missing out on. Be they platonic or otherwise, because we will not look outside <laughs> of the constraints that we've been placed under. Lord like Lord, Lord. you tell for the for folks to go be equally yoked. Be yourself. <laughs> free yourself if you find it in somebody who is who who, who identifies with islamic tradition free yourself if they atheist free yes. yourself <laughs> agnostic as long as they treat you right as long as they love you beloved, be free <laughs> get free don't I mean, that that is the thing that i had to learn my my you know i am so grateful that i expanded beyond um and grab friends that look different and thought different than than i thought because yes. if not god bless america i'm done no that's so real yeah please (laughs) well well, we didn't
1: lord we uh (laughs) we didn't talk to babble but i think you know just getting the gist of like what does it mean for us to craft ministries to craft sermons and to craft um you know to craft theological voices, right? <laughs> right. I, you know, that see all black lives as sacred. Or right. I, and know, that's you know, the um, part. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and not you know, and not just, you know, some, not just, you know, a few or a section or a portion, but when I, you know, and we'll delve into it more, you know, even as we go, because uh, we want to model that even in this podcast of yes. uh, what it means to bring those folks to the table and say, you know, come on, let's sit down, you know, let's talk, let's hear from you. Um, but it matters you know like you say on campuses when we're in regions that you know can sometimes be very restrictive and so yeah i don't want to create more racist, <laughs> or when you know, because I'm creating, or when I students, um, you know, who, you know, who are becoming more Christian, or when I. So what that means is I have to really evaluate, and I have to really expand on what I mean when I say, or when I that I'm a follower of the way, you know. And I think we've even dealt with that before. Like the thing that keeps me rooted and connected, it is that Palestinian Jewish man, you know, or when that, you know, who who heal people, or when not, you know without um without healthcare, you know what I'm saying, who, you know, saying who, who, who sat with folks, who walked with the marginalized, who walked with the oppressed or whatnot. It is that Jesus or whatnot. And I don't know, you know, you know, uh I don't know, you know, another way that I could stay rooted, um, and, you know, and stay grounded and, you know, and want to, you know, help students walk, uh, you know, closer with this Jesus or whatnot, if, you know, if we're not talking about <laughs> that iteration of, of Jesus yes. and then that iteration
0: of Christ. The liberty of Christ. <laughs> yes, or so right. whatnot, you know, and that's not
1: to say that Christianity has, you know, Christianity has done, uh, you know, so much harm. It has, or whatnot, and we just got to tell the truth. We got to own that, or whatnot, so I'm not here to tell people, you know, what they're not talking about the real Christianity. You're not talking about the real no, y'all, you know, yeah, like Christianity has done some damage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh and not Um and even being able to own that or whatnot, it is liberating and it is freeing. Mm-hmm. Or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm trying to facilitate those kind of conversations. Um and do it in a way you know that like we were saying last time that allows students to catch up with it right or whatnot so i'm not just trying to completely yeah yeah, exactly and not just trying to completely destroy um somebody's faith system and not just trying to completely destroy somebody's you know um you know their their spiritual world that they come to college with or whatnot but at the same time like you say if you're gonna You got to navigate dorms. You got to navigate so many different places or whatnot with so many different types of people. And you will just miss out on so much if you don't learn how to see the presence of God in those people. If you don't learn how to see the Imago Dei, the image of God or whatnot in these people that you encounter or whatnot, you know, regardless of how they believe and what they look like. Yeah, and I think it
0: even goes, I mean, even a, a step back, right? Just, you know, even aside from the Imago Day, uh, which, you know, I think is important, but mm-hmm. like just learning to see people as yeah. human. Um, yes. because you know, sometimes yeah. I, I, I even go back and forth with that on with students about the Imago Day, Imago Day, how you say it. Uh people say it so <laughs> many different ways, right? But um, because sometimes it goes under the kind of like under the assumption. Um, of seeing God in someone and a lot of times it's seeing the God that we have constructed in our minds. Yes, right. Yeah, that's very true. Um yeah. so can can you, you may just, not want me to see God in right. you. That's a really good point. Can you just <laughs> see me as as human and and worthy mm-hmm. of, of respect and love and, and freedom, right? And life, um, uh the same equity and equality that you have. Can you see that at the yeah. you know? No. Um just see me, right? Just see me. Um, and however I show up in the world. And I think that's the biggest part that we're saying when, you know, the question comes up um, about, you know, black lives being sacred on, these, uh, on higher ed institutions. Um, I, I overwhelmingly, you know, the, at, at least at white institutions, <laughs> white servants, the answer is no, you know, they're, they're yes. not. And so that's why we are doing this work to reimagine how we see people. And that, and that really goes to kind of like going back to the core of what we've been taught. Um and finding different perspectives, and I think that's the biggest part, you know. Especially as we talk about these, like kind of like uh, traditions that we are now rooted in, you know, womanist theology, Black liberation theology. It is making you go back to the core and see differently.
1: You know, this the sacred spot again. We're two black, you know, uh, faith practitioners and higher ed professionals, but this is really for you know for anybody, <laughs> for spiritual seekers or whatnot, you know, and for those you know who are, who are just trying to be better or whatnot, um, who are trying to be better humans or whatnot, and so wherever you are, it you know with whatever influence or power you have, there is space <laughs> yes. to make space. Yes, There's yes. space to make space for somebody else. So, Pete, what are you doing to heal yourself and others this week? What have you been doing to heal yourself and others? And, you know, what healing resources or activities or, um, you know, just what have you been tapping into?
0: Yeah, again, music, y'all. Like, music is always – that's what I have to pull on. What have you uh, been listening to? That Stevie Wonder is – one of the most brilliant minds that i know in music uh stevie wonder, wonder donnie hathaway uh, are two of the people that i always go to um i um very quickly was on a retreat um last week the fte uh, discern retreat it was so um helpful it was a it was a, a healing space for me um to listen to you know uh uh, faith practitioners talking about uh, the work that they're doing and, and, and how to, you know, subvert these systems, how to navigate these systems and to be in conversation with other um, uh, folk who are in this work uh, from cross sections, right? Atheist to, you know, Christian to agnostic. It was beautiful to come together and kind of be in, in that form of uh, community. Although remote, it was really beautiful and it was healing for me. So what about you, Rocky?
1: Yeah, um, like I say, I'm trying to go back. Last Saturday, I was a part of an amazing brunch, and I want to shout out my sis, um, uh, Lauren Jackson Esquire. All right, all right, shout friends. out to the Esquire. Yes, I was a part of. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> she was a part of a. Um, well, she's not a part of. She she started a a nonprofit for. Um, for black girls for uh, Imani and each year, they do an Imani brunch. It is typically in March, but of course, because of the pandemic, um, they didn't have it in person. So, you know, sis kept getting pressured do this, do that, do that. She said, nope, I'm a pause. So she took a pause or oh, whatnot, you know, got her a team together, and they created an amazing virtual brunch last week. They set it up on the app where you could go from table to table and you can interact with um, different brunch participants at various tables um they you know had a kind of feature where you could hear from different guest speakers, um, they had you know a feature where they went live, and then they had a networking portion where you could circle your you know your business cards around or whatnot, you know, to uh, to different people in the room. It was just really amazing, and she honored four I think four black women and people who have been doing a little bit of everything. One person is a writer for the Griot. One person is a playwright. One per I mean, she just it was it was an amazing Saturday brunch. A good sis and dear eudophia or whatnot who um has an ig uh page and 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 a kind of organization called sanctuary of the seeking um and i you know i thought it would be good to mention this particularly because i feel like in this episode and even the last episode we've been delving a lot into um you know somewhat religious trauma um and so i did want to name her as a resource and Hopefully, you know, at some point we can bring her on to talk. She's doing a PhD and working and making drinks, and she's doing a lot of stuff. Whatnot. <laughs> so, good drinks, it, too. Yeah, it's they do good. be good. Y'all check her out or whatnot. But, The Sanctuary of the Seeking basically um, is a collaborative space that serves the many diverse and disparate needs of individuals and communities engaged in spiritual work and care. The Sanctuary of the Seeking serves as a partner and collaborator to people invested in learning about and healing from theological and religious violence. Um, And so... Just following that um that page when I've really enjoyed some of the content that she's engaging. And I think it's important for me because I've been in the a a, a a a season in therapy where I am really undoing and unworking a lot of that. One of the goals that I had was to keep the same therapist uh, for a whole year because mm-hmm. my toxic trait is when I don't like what you say, I cancel these. appointments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, yeah, she'll know what she's talking about, <laughs> whatever. Or we're not. So I kept the same therapist from last December and, you know, maybe even talk about it. It was not just how I even landed on her Jesus or whatnot, you know, and she ain't got rid of me yet and I ain't got rid of her yet. We be getting on each other nerves, but, but, um, <laughs> But, but we ain't got rid of each other. But so much of what we've been diving into, um, it has been really healing for me. And it's been really difficult. You know, I think that was why last week was a hard week, too, because I had a really rough therapy session um, or whatnot, you know. Um, and, all, you know, if people go into therapy and they're always coming out feeling great or whatnot and jolly, That's I don't right. know. I'm not a, exactly, I'm not a mental health professional, but uh, okay, or whatnot. And so... The couch ministry has really been necessary for me uh, this week. And that has been what I've been intentional about doing to heal myself this year. So, pick what's your closing word? We're going to give a benediction. What's your closing word for the people?
0: Uh, I think uh, I I watched a video um, about a week or so ago of uh, the Reverend Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon uh, preaching. uh, And she said, don't let anyone tell you that your truth is a lie. And that has stuck with me. So that is my uh, word for this week. Don't let anyone tell you that your truth is a lie. And so I want to leave y'all with that. And I hope that you'll take it with you throughout the course of the week and constantly remind yourself that you are a sacred being. um, And that is your truth. And you rest in that truth and don't allow anyone to tell you otherwise. And I hope that you can grab onto that and find ways to live healthy and whole. Heal yourselves. And we're gonna see y'all back on the next episode of The Sacred Spot. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Sacred Spot, a podcast that seeks to provide a brave, open, welcoming, and affirming space for black faith practitioners and higher ed professionals in order to develop restorative practices rooted in healing and wholeness from an African diaspora-centered perspective. Please remember to like, comment, and share, and we'll see you next time.